Welcome to the DNA Show. DNA? Dude, are we doing a science show? No, D is for Dennis. Oh, A is for Andy. And N is for and? Oh, man, nerds. Because we're nerds, dude. Yeah. Well, good. Then we can talk about comics and movies and pop culture and sports. Sports. Sports and nerds. Yeah, we're going to make that work. All right, let's roll. Hey, welcome back to Dennis and Andy Show. I'm Andy. And this is Dennis. Today on the docket. The docket, you like that? I do. I'm a judge, man. The docket. We're going to talk about uh, comic books and we're doing a movie review of a Netflix movie called The Wrong Missy later on in the show. But to start off, we're going to talk about uh, the numbering. How did Marvel... Right, because how did Marvel start renumbering all of their comic books, which led into them coming back with the legacy numbering? Now, legacy numbering is... We'll break it down real simple for you. Avengers number one came out in 1963. They're up to issue 671 as of uh, this writing on this article I'm looking at. Um, so you're like, okay, well, they have 671 issues out. However, in 1996, they stopped the book at issue 402. And for a year, the Avengers, Captain America, Fantastic Four, was that it? Or were there other ones? Oh, are you talking reborn. about, yeah. yeah. So Heroes Reborn. Heroes Reborn. Basically, Iron they Man. licensed Iron Man, yep. They licensed out a few, Marvel that is, licensed out a few of their uh, books to the guys at Image Comics. And Image Comics was created by uh, Jim, Jim Lee, Eric Larson, um, Mark Silvestri, Jim Valentino, Rob Liefeld, uh, Wills Portaccio, seven of them. God, who's the seventh one I'm missing? Tom McFarlane. They all used to work at Marvel in the early 90s, 90, around 1992. They broke off from Marvel and formed their own company, Image. Fast forward to 1996. Marvel wasn't doing that well. They needed to get their sales and numbers up, so they did a licensing deal with these Image guys to take over a few of their books and do them for a year. I don't know if it was always the plan. Year, just for 14 year. issues, something yes, like that. Yeah, it was like 12, 14 like... issues, something like that. And it was called Heroes Reborn. And, for instance, Rob Liefeld did Captain America. Um, Wills Portacio was the artist on Iron Man. Jim Lee worked on Fantastic Four. Uh, Avengers was Liefeld as well for a while and a few other guys. But the point is, they stopped the book at issue 402. And when the Which image guys... But they restarted them at number one. and they re, Right. And they right. restarted, when these guys did it, at no, all the books at number one. And then, in 1998... When they did a thing called Heroes Return, which was the return of all these books back to Marvel, when the licensing deal basically expired, they started with number one again with Avengers. So it went from number one to number 84. 
But then they realized, hey, wait a second. We're actually coming up on issue 500. If we never, ever, ever change the numbering and we include the 13 issues of Avengers that Rob Liefeld's studio handled, wow, we'd, we'd be almost at issue 500. That's a landmark. See, we, it would be. We've got it. We've we've got to go back to regular numbering. So, the the reboot Avengers in 1998 went from issue one to 84, and then from 84 to 500. <laughs> so the the question that the, the the listeners are going why why, why are you would talking you do about this? this? Why would this be important? And why would the comics just not continue? So what was interesting when they started relaunching it, like Andy said. Um, and it was like, you know, and th- this goes back to like in 98, they had Joe Quesada and uh, Jimmy uh, Palmiotti. They drew their first cover for Daredevil number one, which right. was the Marvel Knights relaunch, which followed Daredevil like 380. Right. All right. Now, what they did was same thing. They they kind of wanted it to be 381 and they knew it. So they worked a little tiny 381 into the signature. And that kind of set the practice that continued for a little while, all right? Because they kind of wanted people to be able to continue on, even though it was number one. And Marvel Knights was basically a a different animal. It was a different imprint. Right. It totally was. So a few years later, Marvel decided they would find a more normal place on the Marvel cover. So up in the corner, it would be the Marvel box. And um, the term has, it became a fandom term. They called it shadow numbering. So, for example, um, Iron Man, Volume 3, number 73, you would see a 73 up in there. But then you would see right next to it a shadow number, which is a little lighter. And it was 418 to show it was actually the 418th consecutive Iron Man book. Now, the thing is, I... I don't have any, in my comic book collection, I don't have long runs of any Marvel books or DC books. I have runs of certain issues of books, and I think the longest run of any Marvel or DC book I have is maybe 25, 30 issues, because an artist leaves a book that I really enjoyed, and I'm an art guy, so I'll usually leave and follow them to a different book. The only book I have an unbroken run of is Savage Dragon, which is an image book. And as of right now, when we record this, uh, issue 248 is the latest issue, and it's all been drawn and written by the same guy, Eric Larson, who created the book. And he started with a four-issue miniseries, so it was one through four, and that was a miniseries. And then he started the monthly book with issue one, and now it's up to 248. As a collector... I'm staying with this book until Eric's done doing it because I just think it's cool. And I still like the book too. Don't get me wrong. If I didn't like the book, I don't know, but I still really enjoy Savage Dragon. One, I'm friends with Eric Two, I really like Eric's writing and his art and I just like the book. So I'm sticking with it. However, as a Marvel guy, Dennis, mm-hmm. and as an X-Men guy, so for you, those of you that don't know, Dennis is a huge X-Men fan. He has every issue of X-Men from X-Men number one from the 1960s up to present day. But I got to 
this this whole numbering thing has got to drive you crazy because I would think as a collector like that and in your opinion with other collectors don't you think they'd rather have it as an unbroken chain instead of like oh it's one to 600 and then we reboot with number one and now well technically it's number 601 but it has a big one on the cover with a 601 really small so Absolutely, I would want it to be unbroken. Here, here's the problem. So, like in X Men, you've got your Uncanny X Men series, your X Men series. You know, I also so I've got all the X Factor series, all the New Mutant series. You know, um, Excalibur. Right. Um, so I mean, those all, all of those they're, they're different books, but they all have different multiple runs of them. So, for example. I would have preferred, you know, to say, well, you know, it's whatever X-Men book, you know, it's maybe issue 642. Not now you'd have to go, well, it's X-Men. I think that's volume four, number 13, because they kept rebooting it. Right. And it just as a collector, as a fan, but I, it did, drives me but nuts. With X-Men, though, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, they did and they didn't because... It was, was X-Men, you know, it, the book originally started titled X-Men. Right. And then, do you remember what issue number went to Uncanny? Sure, 141. Beautiful. So, so, but, but, so, but they, didn't, but they didn't change numbering or anything. They just added the Uncanny to the title. Right. And then, in 91, they, did, they kept that book going, but they launched a new X-Men book just called X-Men. Right, Jim Lee. Right. That Jim Lee's famous for drawing. Chris Claremont wrote it, sold eight million copies. But that was a whole separate book. They still had Uncanny, which was I don't even know what number it was up to at that point. Uh, it was like two eighty something, I think. Yeah, two eighty, two eighty one. Yeah, somewhere in the two eighties at that point. So they kept that going with you know two eighty three, eighty four, eighty five, and they had this new X Men going with X Men one, two, three, four. I don't know how long. How long did that X Men book last? Do you remember? Oh, God, I don't remember now. Or did they fold it back in? Well, okay, so this is where it gets so confusing because I don't. I'm not a fan of reboots. Just to go, hey, here's a new number one. I get it from a retailer standpoint because a new number one, nine times out of ten, is going to sell better than issue 543. But see, this (laughs) is the problem that that Marvel, they were looking at short-term versus long-term. Right. So the question is, what is the rationale for basically restarting series over and over again at number one? Right. So this goes all the way back to what you had originally mentioned, Heroes Reborn in 96. Well, when that set of titles ended, or you want to call it the program, they ended basically a year later the Marvel said, well, we asked the retailers, should we resume the original numbering or continue with the lower reborn numbers? Or do we roll it all the way back for new number ones again a second time in 14 months? Their answer was the retailers responded back to them and said, oh, we definitely want you to do number ones again because we will sell more number ones than we would if we were to continue the series. Oh. So this was the start of the diminishing numbers for comic books. So right. here's what's interesting. 
Um, the retailers had said that they would sell twice as many Fantastic Four number ones as they would Fantastic Four number 14s when it rebooted. Right. Or Fantastic Four 416, which would have been the original numbering. Right. So the second renumbering happened. They started back over number one. Now, here's the interesting thing. The pre-orders for number one... Um, wound up going from 130,000, which is what it would have been, right. to 210,000 for Fantastic Four volume number two. So, which, or, or volume number three, number one. Right. So, the problem is, it was literally hit it out of the park, get some really good numbers for number one, and but then, then issue two, what? It, it, it started a, tanking. And then by issue um, number three, it, they were already selling less copies than what they were originally selling had they continued the original numbering. Right. Right. And so they've repeated this pattern. Uh, so it says even like two months later when the retailers ordered before number one hit the shelf, pre-orders were down to less than 122,000, which was already less than the original 130,000. And then every time they've launched it, and it was true in Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Avengers, X-Men, every time they relaunched them, number one was a hit. Everybody rushed out for their number ones. Number two could see a huge drop-off. Number three, just as big of a drop-off. So now you're selling less books in a 12-month period overall. And everybody's now just interested in getting number ones because they think it's an important key book. Right. And then even with stuff like... So there's a book that came out in 1991 called Darkhawk. Okay. doesn't really matter what the book's about. It's a Marvel book. came out in 91 called Darkhawk. Uh, I actually liked the character. I liked the way he looked. I did too. So it lasted for 50 issues. So that's basically a little over four years. You know, 12 issues a year. Four years is 48 issues, so it lasted a little over four years, okay? And then a few years ago, they put out a one-shot of Darkhawk, and I call it a one-shot because it was a one-and-done, and they number it 51. Yep. Which does, doesn't, and once again, this is nothing against the book, but at with, with the reasoning of number ones, you'd think just doing a one-shot would sell better than going, hey, let's go number 51 from a book that we canceled back in 1995. Yep. <laughs> and, I, and I think a good example is a lot of people out there love the Black Panther movie. Oh, so yeah. So if you take a look, so in 1977, they launched the, the original, you know, their series, and it was a 15, 1 through 15. Yep. Yeah, 1977, it was really, really, really decent. They didn't launch another series of Black Panther until 98. Yep. And that one ran for 62 issues. So it was yep. 1 through 62, Black Panther, technically volume 2, 1 through 62. And, and I don't have a problem with that because, nope. one, the time span. I mean, right. you're going from 77 to 98. So 21 years later, they relaunch it. And I don't have a problem with it being right. number one. It's 21 years later. Right. It, if they would have relaunched it in 1979... I might have just picked up the numbering because then you're only looking at like a two-year hiatus. Or not even, what am I saying? Uh, yeah, 1979, because it first came out in 77. Yep. But you got a 21-year hiatus. You know, at that point, great, start over with a new number one. Right. But And then in, in 05, they, in 2005, they launched another one and they restarted it. And it right. ran for 41 issues. Yeah. Another good series. 
Um, in 09, they came out with a 12 issue. Uh, and back then, we would call them miniseries, a 12 yeah. issue miniseries. No, well, maxi. they don't anymore. 12 is maxi. Maxi, you're right. Yeah, mini's four. Yeah. Four to six is mini. Four to six. 12 yep. is. Yeah, you're listening to nerds right here. I know, because yeah. it, it means something. Uh, in 2011, so this is where they they ran from. They went back to the original number, so they ran it from issues 513 to 523. But it was Black Panther: The Man Without Fear because right. it had picked up from Daredevil, Daredevil: The Man Without Fear, and it had kind of melded in and took over that title from the numbering. Then they did Black Panther: The Most Dangerous Man Alive in 2011, and they numbered that from 524 to 529. And then they launched Black Panther, basically the next series, which I would actually call Black Panther Volume Five. Yep. And they ran for 18 issues in 2016. Yep. But they actually consider that, you know, issues 160. Well, it'd be like 150 something to 166. Yeah, it's ridiculously confusing. It's confusing. Yeah, it's confusing now because, you know, in 1998 there was none of this talk of all this. So in 98 you bought Black Panther Volume Two Number One, and you read it up until issue 62. In 2005 it was Volume Three, and you read it from issue one to 41. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, in 2009, four years later, I mean. The, the one in 2005 went for 41 issues, which is almost four years, which is 2009. So it was only out of print very, very short amount of time before they did a new number one, which ran for a year. And then it's just like, well, you know, it, it's just it it's doesn't just make confusing. sense because they 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 took over some of Daredevil's numbering in there right. in the first place, which should have absolutely nothing, nothing to, do to do with it. It should be a right. standalone title, or I would have folded it in with the Daredevil titles. It's technically Daredevil, the man without fear featuring Black Panther for the next, you know, 14, 16 right. issues, you know, but, but they didn't do it. There's so much confusion that people, you know, everybody has within our industry and you have arguments. It kind of reminds me of like when Rebirth uh, came out and then it was, oh, there's Rebirth number one, but there's a one shot, but it just says Rebirth on it. And then it would be like Batman Rebirth number one. Which isn't a one shot; it became the title. So one said rebirth larger. But rebirth was, was after New Fifty Two, right? Right. Yeah. So because New Fifty Two, this is DC stuff now. DC did an initiative called New Fifty Two, which was they were basically canning the whole line and coming out with fifty two new titles, not new, but starting over, right? Yes. So Superman number one, and it ran for fifty two issues. Action Comics number one, and they all, you know, Batman, so on and so forth, and they all ran for fifty two issues. And then they did Rebirth, and all those 50, instead of going to 53, they all went back to number ones. Yeah. And I think that's the number we're on now. So both, yeah, we're, we're, we're still in Rebirth. Both companies made a well, conscious decision. Well, yes and no, decision. because Green Lantern's restarted again. Yeah. And now they're calling it, with Green Lantern, they're calling it Seasons, because Season 1 was 12 issues and came out over the span of, I think... I think it actually did come out over 12 months. They, they got it done, you know, uh, to come out monthly. And then it took a break for a few months. And then season two, issue one just came out of Green Lantern. So instead of it being issue 13, season two, it's season two, issue one. 
Right. So it just it's really Bo- both it companies really confusing for collectors. Both companies are guilty of this because they they looked at the short term. Well, I can sell more number ones without realizing that it's going to have a negative impact. The one that I get a kick out of being an X Men fan is like Cable, oh, and I yeah. remember the Cable. So Cable ran originally in 93 when it launched for 107 issues Which and is it was like good i really enjoyed a little it under 10 years yeah a little yeah. under 10 years yeah 11 years and change yep and then they they re, then they came out with uh soldier x which was really a different take, and that ran for 12 issues and that ran in 2002 there had to have been you know what was there a little bit of overlap i wonder because if 93 Ten years is 120. Oh no! So no, it was no, only it about was right because Soldier yeah. X picked up pretty yeah, close. So Soldier I X, yeah, Soldier X comes out, which yeah. is a totally different name and everything, right? And, and they consider ran- that issues 108 through 119 of Cable, which, which I don't. It's a to me a totally a, separate, yeah, you know, totally book. book. And then in that only ran for 12 issues and that started in 2002 as Soldier X did. Yeah, and then in 08 it ran a Cable. Volume two started up as 25 issues, and then that ended. And then in 17, they ran again through one through five. So they're claiming under Marvel Legacy, it was, well, there's 100 cable uh, issue number uh, 150 is coming out. You got to pick up 150. I, I right. totally think that's so garbage. It's, it's crap. Right. Well, it's either like, number one, such a big deal, number one. And then it's like they realize, oh, crap, we're getting up to number 150. That's a huge number. Because let's be real. If for some reason the storyline was about to wrap up and it was like, oh, it's it's wrapping up legacy numbering at 123, it'd be like push it for two more. 125 is a better number, you know, branded on. And, you know, it's it's well, look at look at DC did it because when Action Comics was going to come up to their big milestone, they they kicked the numbering back to the legacy, their legacy numbering. Yeah, probably in what, the 960s, 970s. It was in the 900s, yeah, when they kicked it back. Yep. Same with Detective 1000. Right, exactly. So they're like, well, these are milestones and people want the milestones, so we're just going to revert back to the original numbering and just leave it because we want them to buy, which we did, you know, because they had so many covers of Action Comics, you know, 1000 or Detective 1000. It's it's so tough as I I feel for the collectors out there, like yourself, that have the whole, you know, just speaking of X-Men, the whole shebang, and even the Superman guys or Action Comics guys and Detective guys that that literally went back and were able to track down all the way, you know, 1938 and stuff, these issue ones, because there's people out there that have the whole run, and then it gets up, and they're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm up to 700 and blah, 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 you know, issue numbering, and then DC says, ah, we're doing new 52 and end everything and start over with Detective 1, and these guys are like, what? My run, it's, I'll, I'll keep buying it. But I'm also sure some people probably stopped and were like, ah, forget it, I'm done. Because I've got this unbroken run now, I'm not going to restart now. Uh, so many customers that I knew, they they gave up collecting a lot of the new comics because they're like, we're, we're just tired of reboot after reboot right. after reboot. If you want to do something in the story, that's great, but we are literally tired you know, of of the reboot. Well, and if you remember in the early 90s, um, 
Superman, I think they did it through a lot of the, the major titles, but I remember more of Superman because I was buying it back then too. They kept all the numbering, but they would do story arcs that went through all the Superman titles. So back then there were Superman, Action Comics, Man of Steel, and uh, uh, there was a fourth one. I just can't remember the name of it. But anyhow, what they would do is, you know, say Superman was on issue, you know, 400 something and Action Comics was, you know, 450, whatever. Well, if they started a storyline that ran through all the books, so you knew which ones to buy, it would have up in the corner a number one and then a number two in the opposite corner of the issue number. So you knew which one to read in order. Right. You know, you remember that? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that that's fine. That makes sense to me. The one that give the, the biggest pet peeve I have, for example, for this is is the Venom. The Venom is the one that drives me the absolute well, funk. I, I gotta look. So Venom, when the legacy number started, it was a late Venom number one fifty five. Any collectors going? There was no regular run of Venom. No. And that is what I would consider anything that's a regular run would be included. Oh, so, right. for those of you wondering, so the very first Venom series, which came out in 93, because they're, they're all miniseries. Yeah, Venom never had a Lethal book Protector, then Funeral Pyre, Pyre, you know, The Madness, The Enemy Within, The Mace, you know, Knights in Vengeance, Separation Anxiety, Carnage Unleashed, so, etc. This keeps going on. So, there's literally couple dozen of different miniseries. Yeah. And I don't think they really had an actual ongoing Venom run until 2011 um, and where it was a 42-issue run. And then they, of mm -hmm. course, they came out with their 13.1, which means it falls between issues 13 and 14. And they did a 13.1, 13.2, 13.3, .3, and 13.4. And then same thing, they did a 27.1. Right. That was the only actual real run of Venom, I think, in pretty much the entire history. But yet, it's Venom number 155. Right. Nope. Those are all miniseries. Right. They should just be standalone. They should be standalone miniseries. And that's the thing. It's like, it's cool if you if they launch a book and they go, and it does make a big splash going, guys, you love Venom? We're doing a number one Venom, and it's going to be a monthly book. No more of this miniseries stuff. We're going to satiate your hunger for Venom. See what I did there? I did. Satiate your hunger for Venom with a brand new monthly Venom book. No more of these miniseries. We're glad you had the miniseries, but now it's monthly. And yeah, I mean, I can't. I, I agree. I can't. I see Venom 155, and like you, my first thought is, what? Right. It made no <laughs> sense. Now, the, like the one that did make sense, which I don't knew, know why they even need it, but Power Pack. Power Pack, which came out in the, the mid-80s, like 84, it was issues 1 through 62. And I was like, not my favorite comics. I did pick up a bunch of them because, you know, X-Men were in it and stuff oh, like yeah. that. But when it ended, it ended with 62. Right, there which was, is basically five years. So right. that's, that's 89. Right. Ended. So it literally was the end of the series, and they didn't have a new one. And all of a sudden now, Power Pack, issue 63, legacy number. Okay, but at least... It ended at 62. They are picking it up on 63 several decades later. But at least if you're going to continue, continue at least that makes sense. There's sure. not a million things in between that right. you're trying oh, to yeah. tack on. Right, right. Anyhow, let us know what your thoughts are on legacy numbering or if you had no thoughts. 
go to a comic shop and buy some comics and uh, and look up in the corner. (laughs) Look up in the corner, see which number you're buying. Any comic shop you go to, any anyone I've been in, all the uh, employees are very knowledgeable. You shouldn't have a problem asking and getting your questions answered. Uh, Definitely don't let this shy you away from buying comics. Comics are fantastic, but there's just these little things that can uh, and. For us, uh, us diehard collectors, we love those those high numbers. And to be fair, I know some of you out there like it, and so I yeah. you put your thoughts. Doesn't matter either way. You can yeah, agree or disagree know. with us. Yeah. Tell say, guys, you're shitheads. We love all this new numbering. Screw off. And I love your show because we always like it when you tack that on. Right. Now we're going to talk about a movie. We're going to give a we're doing movie review of a Netflix movie called The Wrong Missy, starring David Spade, produced by Adam Sandler's company, Happy Madison. Yeah, it's Happy Madison. Happy Madison. Adam's not in it. It's David Spade, who is in it. Uh, Another great comedian plays his uh, best friend, Nick Swartzen. The love interest is Lauren Lapkus, who is very funny. Dennis and I disagree on this one. Big time. Dennis, once again, is wrong. I don't understand how you can watch a funny-ass movie and be like, blah. All right, so I, so I'm going to preface this. So we didn't watch it together nope. or at the same time. Nope. Dennis watched it and First. instead of getting a text saying, oh, my God, you've got to watch this. It's hysterical. He sent a text going, have you watched it? I said no. And he's like, ugh. Yeah. So, here's the thing. I'm a huge David Spade fan. Me too. So, I'm, I'm going to... This is a comedy. Not a superhero comedy. No. Nope. But a comedy. Yeah. All right? David Spade is right up there. Tommy Boy is one of my favorite co- comedy oh, movies of, of all time. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Lauren Lapkus, who you said plays one of the missies. Um, love her. Love her. She's a... Uh, uh, I like her she's as an quirky. actress. Yes. She's quirky. She, she's a... She's a pretty girl. Big Bang Theory. I mean, she, she was she in played Big Bang it. She Theory. was in the comic book shop. So I like her. She's been in a number of things. She was in um, Jurassic World. Uh, she was. She had a, a smaller guest part in Orange Is the New Black. Yeah, she's a good actress. Yeah, so she's been in a lot of stuff. Right. And then Jeff Pearson it winds up being his boss, and we all know Jeff from once again. If you've heard our other podcast, Dexter. Yep. So he winds up uh, showing up in there. I like him as an actor. He was great in it. And then the other Missy shows up, Molly Sims, and she's just really hot. Really winds up being like, wow, that's a- another good actress. Wow, way she to looks like the fire. Hey, hey, just saying. <laughs> she is. No, uh, and, and then one of my favorites, Sarah Chalk, who oh, yeah, she's all great. from Scrubs. As soon as Scrubs, my wife yeah. and I saw her, we're like, oh, oh my yeah. God, we haven't seen her in a while. But also, Adam Sandler's wife, Jackie Sandler, was in a movie playing the wife of Jeff Pearson's character, Jack Winstone. Oh, actually, no, not his wife. I'm sorry. She played the wife of another, uh, uh, another actor in the movie. My right. Wife. And then, of course, she you got your favorites. Same spot. It had great actors. So Rob Schneider, of course, because oh, it's a course. Happy Madison. He he's probably one of my favorite characters in, and in, he played, in the movie. He played a, a quirky uh, shark hunter. Let's shark, call it. Uh, yeah, shark hunter, shark um, uh, shark expedition tour guide. Kind of reminded me of a comedic version from going back to Jaws with oh, yeah. Quinn. Oh, definitely, yes. definitely. And the funny Just thing was, a few <laughs> the funny thing was. <laughs> He's missing two fingers 
on his right hand and he's missing the middle two fingers. So his ring finger and his middle finger. And the makeup job they did was like, you can tell non-high production because if this was high production value, they would have CGI'd those fingers out. But instead, you can tell <laughs> his fingers were just bent down, touching his palm. And they just made this meaty flesh palm that was so thick because it had to hide yes. the fact his two fingers were just folded down. Um, I thought that was great. That was it, Rob Snyder was hysterical. Um, um, I mean, now, okay, before we actually go into it, we'll just give it our ratings now, and then we'll talk about it. All right. So we do ratings on a CGC scale, which is a comic book grading system. It goes from one, which is poor, up to ten, which is mint. So what do you give this movie? I would give it a fine minus. Grade is what? On so a I, One to ten scale. Yeah, I would give it a, a 6.0. Okay, so we're actually not far off because I'd probably go seven five. Yeah, seven two to seven five. If we were at the first half of the movie, I was going to give it like a four point Really? Oh yeah. You didn't like yeah. the first half? There were only there were a couple <laughs> of good parts that I really like, and it was just like, uh So my wife and I are watching this, <laughs> and and I'm expecting like, okay. Being a happy Madison with these guys, we get little bits. Jorge Garcia's in it, you know, oh, love him from Lost, you know, he's on Dude, the plane. on a plane. Yeah. I mean, that was just genius. Yeah, it was great. So there's all these little tidbits. <laughs> and flying to Hawaii. It, yes. On a plane. It, yes. Flying to Hawaii, you got... You got Hurley from Lost. That so was all you awesome. nerds that that watch Lost <laughs> immediately started chuckling, going, "Okay, that's kind of funny." And then you got your little your, your usual ones in the Adam Sandler movies productions. Jonathan Logram, he always plays. Um, you know, he's always the like the football guy. His uh, eyes are always crossed. He's like, yes. Yes, he's yes, in yes. it with his eyes crossed, oh, just like who, you would expect. That's him. who Adam Sandler's wife was married to in a movie. Yes. Yes. So the characters were good, you know, who they had in there. Um, the the issue that I had was the immediate relationship with David Spade and the blind date, which it's Missy, because all the girls that are important in this are named Missy. Right. This is why it's the wrong Missy. Um, she is meant to come off as an overbearing, obnoxious person that you can't stand whatsoever and this is why she's an immediate turnoff for david spade right she's she loud, played she's boisterous she's actually what david spade usually is in a movie right except in this movie or chris farley or chris farley <laughs> yeah except in this movie david spade's playing the straight man the, the you know the non actually comedic part really right even though it's a comedy and she's doing most of the comedic stuff right and she fulfills the role of being super obnoxious to oh, yeah. the point she's so over the top that I'm like, my, I'm like, Susie's looking at me and going, what, what's wrong? I'm like, I, I, I can't stand this character at all. See, I, I, I have no empathy. <laughs> and I says, if I were on that date, I would, he was, he tried crawling out the window. I, I would have just ran out the front door. It was, it was See, that obnoxious. She, to me. she cracked me up from the get go. I love the joke she pulled on him at the bar when they first met. We're not going to give it away. No, I mean, well, there's going to be This spoilers, one's not worth spoilers to me. <laughs> oh, so harsh. I liked her character a lot. Um, I actually was very excited to see her in basically a starring role. Because she usually is the guest star. 
She's usually the sidekick. She's usually the buddy in movies and TV shows. But this was a starring role for her. Um, I thought it showed, uh, you know, a, a different side acting-wise because she's also guest starring in a show called uh, The Good Girls on NBC as an FBI agent. And she's, it's a totally different role. So, yes, she was loud. She was obnoxious. She was, she was boisterous. She was all this stuff. But as the movie went on, you did get to see behind her, her facade because that was all basically a facade. So you got to see behind it. You got to see why she's that way. And it, I thought it was kind of touching. Now, I will say my wife and daughter, my, my wife and daughter, about 20 minutes into the movie, Helen and Courtney were like, and we're out of here. So they left. They left the room, went upstairs to watch something but else. why? They just were bored. Correct. Well, they have no taste either, obviously, because I was laughing my butt off. Ha. Now, I would say there were some really funny parts. There were a couple of LOL moments. Oh, there were definitely slapsticky parts in it. And this falls into the category, like most of uh, Happy Madison Productions from Sandler, of comedies that things happen physically that would kill a person. But you laugh at and they get up. It's that basically it's pushing the the Three Stooges and Abbott and Costello slipping on a banana peel type jokes and Charlie Chaplin to a whole nother level of going, yeah, in the real world, you'd be dead. But in this world, you make it through, everybody's amazed, and people laugh. The, the cliff diving scene was probably the Spoiler part. Alert. Yeah. Yeah, I had to where I, I laughed so hard because <laughs> yeah. it was so physical and so graphic and yet realistic looking. Well, that's the thing with technology these days. So the basic gist is they're in Hawaii. Uh, David Spade's not in the scene originally. His his buddy, Nick Swartzen, I believe, comes running in. He's like, dude, you got to get out here. And he's like, what? Why? He's like, Missy's going to jump off a cliff, cliff dive into the ocean. He's like, what? She's running out there. And she, yeah, she's drunk. hammered. And there's a whole crowd watching because she's going to cliff dive. And he tries to talk her out of it, and he turns his back, and that's when she runs and just jumps off the cliff. <laughs> but slips and, and falls. And slips and falls instead of jumping. So she falls, and on the way down, she bounces <laughs> off of a rock. It's definitely anybody who's seen The Simpsons when he did the cliff jumping. <laughs> don't! 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 Yeah. It is literally she, a reenactment of The Simpsons, she, but in real life. She hits a tree. <laughs> Then she hits the ground, and once there's no, she'd be dead in real life. But it's it's hysterical. And she survives, and then still makes the comment as the wave rushes as it crashes into her. Sweeps her it's out great. The water. It was physically great humor. I I thought, like I said, I thought the movie had heart. Um, I'm not going to give away the ending. Uh, the other woman that he meant to go have meet him. In the other the other Missy actually shows up. There's conflict. There's, you know, he's vying for promotion at his job. David Spade is, that is. And he's competing against uh, Adam Sandler's wife's character, Jess. Um, I, I don't know. I thought it was really good. I was scared going into it because Dennis and I usually have the same taste in movies. And when he texted me that, because I told him about it originally, 
And I thought for sure I'd see it before him. And then I get a text out of the blue saying he watched it. And when he said he didn't like it. Well, and this was my wife. She was her turn to pick a movie. And then out of the blue, because I've never mentioned her, she goes, oh, David Spade, wrong Missy. Do you want to watch it? I'm like, yep, absolutely. I'm really happy you picked this movie. Uh, Until we watched it. He watched it. I get the text. Uh, It's like letting air out of a balloon. And then I'm scrolling through Facebook. And the balloon gets lit right back up because I see a couple people I know say they saw it and thought it was fantastic. And that's all it took. I watched it. It was going to be a movie night for the family and I. And like I said, 20 minutes in, my kid was bored. My wife was like, this is stupid. And they both got up and left. But I continued, and I I thought it was thoroughly enjoyable. My wife looked at me and said, what a waste of my time. Oh, my God. I can't believe she says that about you, Dennis. Well, You've I been know. married 26 years. Come on. Now she says that? Well, technically 27 now. Oh. So, Dennis gives it a 6. I go 7-2 to 7-5. But I decided, since you were you were asking about it, I decided to look up Rotten Tomatoes, which I don't Uh-oh. do very often. What do they do? So, let's find out who is right. The audience liked it more than the critics. Well, that... But to, that's fine with me, though. Right. the critics... Eh. So but the audience the gave for? it a fifty-two percent. No. Yep. Which which means that they even rated it lower than I what did. What did the critics give it? A thirty-seven. Nah, I don't care about critics. Yeah, I know you don't. But the audience is usually the number that I kind of go by. And um, yeah, needless to say, David, that wasn't one of your best movies. Oh. All right. Well, I'll, we I'll go back and on watch Black Sheep if I'm looking for a not oh, quite as good, good as too. his Tommy Boy movie. I'll go back and watch Joe Dirt. Oh, I, okay. Come on, <laughs> Mullet Man. That oh, is a great. great movie. All right, guys. That's it for this week. Next week, our movie review. We're gonna. We haven't decided yet, but there's two options. You'll have to tune in to see which one. It's either going to be Sleepless, starring Jamie Foxx. It's a nice action movie yep. from a few years back. Or Uncut Gems, starring Adam Sandler in a very dramatic turn. So one of those is going to be next week. All right. We will catch you all next week. Bye. Until next week, grab your 3D glasses. Get your favorite comic books, roll them up, and put them in your back pocket the way you should treat comics. Throw your pigskin up on the mantle. This is Dennis. This is Andy. Later, Later friends. friends.